All right, everybody, and welcome to Saturday Night Rewind. With me is my good friend, Randall McDonald. Hello, hello, hello. And with me is the wonderful Brian Paradise. Hey, that's me. That's so you. we are, this is our pilot episode. We haven't started watching new episodes yet because they don't exist. They're our new there. episode is on uh, October 3rd, which we'll talk about towards the end of the episode. But we're really excited because we are both fans of Saturday Night Live and want to talk about the upcoming season and also do a little bit of history as we get through the uh, season. So Randall... Yeah. What is your, talk, tell us a little about yourself, your kind of history with, with sketch and comedy, and then what is your history with the show? What do you like about Saturday Night Live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my name is Randall. Uh, I went and I trained and got trained and studied improv and sketch comedy uh, first at a SAC Comedy Lab in Florida where the great Wayne Brady started. And then I went on to Chicago and studied at the Second City and I.O., and the Annoyance Theater, and kind of learned how to do sketch, do improv, do funny, do comedy. And then I moved back here, and uh, we both work at a, at a melodrama theater together. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of my background. SNL, I think I started, like, I started watching it religiously around, like, 2007, 2008. Because I think that was, that was right when I was in middle school, high school-ish. And uh, that was right when Lonely Island was coming out and Andy Samberg. And so that that's like my cast. Yeah, you I know? think that's important is like, who are the people that you go, oh, th- when I think of SNL, th- that is my cast. Those are yeah. the people that I think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my and, – and I think – I, I was watching that – the documentary that they, that they did on SNL. The I, Six like, Days to Air? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think Steve Higgins yeah. says something about how he's like, uh, whoever – how – whoever was in the cast when you were in middle school or high school is your cast. Right. I think that the the show has high-minded ideal uh, ideals, but I also think that is prime real estate for people in middle school and yeah. high school. It's so funny cuz then cuz then also like regardless like who comes after you're always like, yeah, but they're not as good as. <laughs> right. That's no Andy Samberg. Yeah. What about what about you? What about you? What's your history and 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 with SNL and theater and and that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's funny. So you have lots of training. I would like I'm going to put myself in like the high fidelity camp of being a professional appreciator. <laughs> that uh, so I I have a degree in theater. I was a theater teacher and I've done musical theater and and other kinds of performance. Like we said, we work at our uh, mel- melodrama theater here in Tucson. Um, but my experience with the show is I probably started watching it too young. When I lived in Massachusetts, uh, we got Comedy Central, I think when I was seven years old, and they oh. used to play reruns of old SNL episodes when they would uh, compress them into an hour. So they cut a sketch or two, maybe they cut the musical guest, uh, and they were showing reruns, because this was the late 80s, early 90s, they were showing reruns of some of like the original cast, like the Gilda Radners and mm-hmm. kind of Bill Murray era, but a lot of also the more recent older episodes, early Carvey episodes, early Phil Hartman episodes. And then I remember when we moved to Scottsdale from Massachusetts, my cable didn't initially have Comedy Central. So as like a nine-year-old, I was like, what the hell is going on? I need to watch my classic SNL episodes. I have stuff to do. So I that then eventually they, they got it back, but it was such a regular part. I remember basically going from after school, I'd watched reruns of the Muppet show on on Nickelodeon to watching reruns of uh, Comedy Central uh, and uh, SNL and SNL. Comedy Central. So kind of occupying the same part of my brain where I like watching celebrities that I kind of know, but I'm probably too young to really appreciate uh, doing sketch comedy, yeah. uh, whether it's with Kermit the Frog or whoever. Yeah. And then um, just like you, I felt like uh, when I was 11, 12 years old, so going into middle school, that is when they did that huge cast turnover in 96 to oh. the Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, uh, Chris Kattan cast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, basically, everybody was new except for Daryl Hammond and Tim Meadows. Yeah. And so that's when I really started watching. And that, I think, was... Again, I think you really associate with the, the cast that you're used to. But that seemed to be a pretty big turning point. My sister and I used to um, collect 
magazine covers and put them on our wall. So she, she would cut out stuff. And so my car, my uh, bedroom was all cars because I, I got a bunch of car <laughs> magazines and stuff and I just had all these cars all over my walls. And then in her room, she got Rolling Stone. So she had uh, all these pictures of 90s celebrities. So like Jared Leto and a lot of Brad Pitt <laughs> and those kind of folks. But I distinctly remember in 96 when they were coming out with the new cast, there was a cast photo of all the new cast on the cover of Rolling Stone. And she had that ah. on her wall. And I just remember seeing those faces in her room. And that's really when I started watching every single week. And then I think it's funny when you got into the show is probably when I had my longest lull <laughs> because I didn't really like, um, uh, what's his name? I didn't really I, like, I was okay on Sandberg. I love Sandberg now. Right, yeah. But at the time, I was like, who is this idiot with the dumb hair <laughs> who just does these film things? Yeah. Uh, and then also, I wasn't really into Fallon. I oh, kind of yeah. continued to not really be into Fallon. You I'm, not, about that. I'm not really into Fallon either. <laughs> but I, I remember uh, that time. It's probably the, the biggest lull I took. And then, man, for over last 10 years, like my, because I've been a cable cutter for a long time, uh-huh. that my Sunday ritual is I will, you know, because I don't, I can't watch it live. I'll just watch it every Sunday morning. I'll watch the episode of SNL and then read articles about it. And that was kind of the genesis of uh, me wanting to reach out to you about this, this project with that. I basically every Sunday I'm, I watch SNL and then I want to do something with that information. And my wife and I, Aaron, we'll talk about it, but I just want to have, I want to know more. <laughs> I actually saw this, uh, I saw this photo earlier today where it was a guy uh, adjacent to a picture of three other people and it was uh, I think the caption was like how you feel when you're watching a po- listening to a podcast where it's like a real person just like feeling like they're with other people <laughs> and that's the, the kind of that's what I want to do because every time I watch an episode I have all these thoughts about the way it's structured and oh isn't it so cool yeah. this person has come back or that's why they probably got here and but I just don't have an outlet for that. So, Randall, yeah. that is what we're doing. We're I'm talking about the show that we like <laughs> and uh, the implications because I think that it is, is, if it is successful or not, like if I watch an episode and it is funny or not, to me is less material than like how important it is as a show. So what yeah. do you think about like in like as a cultural entity, what is like, what do you feel is the impact of the show and where it kind of fits among other kinds of late night entertainment? Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting now. I think in the day it was the only outlet for political humor to kind of take a jab at at politics. Um, But now I feel like there's so – with YouTube, with TikTok, there's so many different outlets for comedy that makes fun of our culture and makes fun of our our political status. And – there's so much of it. So they've got to compete with that. And then on top of that, people's attention spans have just gone so down. I mean, like again, like TikTok is 60 seconds or less to get as many jokes or whatever you're going to try to get in. And so SNL to try to compete with those things and like have like a five and a half minute sketch. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's a lot. It doesn't have as much of an impact as it used to have. I would love to know. That's a really good point. I would love to know how many people consume SNL through YouTube versus yeah. how many people can like for me where like I on Sunday morning, I, I open Hulu and I watch the episode kind of from stem to stern. I watch the whole thing in order. Right. But I think a lot of people are consuming it as a YouTube series. And I, I think it's interesting your point about late night and how it's evolved yeah. because right now there's just like a bunch of Lauren everywhere because, you yeah. know, you have Seth who's got his late night show. Staff writer, you know, head writer at SNL. Right. You have Fallon, cast member at SNL. Uh, I watched the Amber Ruffin show. Uh, she comes from oh, Seth's yeah. uh, writing staff, who obviously uh, who's, uh, works with Lauren, and then having Conan, who was a writer at SNL. Oh, yeah. All these people feeling, and, you know, Colbert, the way that his show evolved from when he was looking for his footing prior to Trump's election to when he just kind of found his voice where I think everybody, like to your point, everybody is doing political comedy. Yeah. That's just like the norm. Like you have to do it. Yeah. And it's because, but to your point, that is where SNL in the seventies, that's the only place where you're watching somebody make fun of Gerald Ford. Right. You know, but that doesn't really exist 
in a vacuum anymore. They just have to compete with everybody like Trevor... Noah Trevor on Noah, yeah. The Daily Show. But again, I think most people are watching these things as clips, not as like a whole 109-minute thing. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, and I think what they're trying to do, I like what they're trying, because now they do the cut for time and they do those mini documentaries yeah. on YouTube. So they're trying to kind of uh, mold themselves into the form that they've got to be in. But I don't I don't know. Yeah, it, it's interesting. And the funny thing about SNL is every... Like throughout the history of SNL, it has been, uh, are they going to make it? Yeah. You know? And it's just funny that we're still talking about it 46 years later. The, the, oh, I forget what, when he hosted, but it was uh, Martin Short was talking when he was doing a monologue sometime in the last 20 years. And he was talking about, you know, we were all, and everybody's into SNL. And then it was, oh, is SNL good? Is it bad? Is it good? Oh, it's bad again. Oh, who cares? Oh, it's going to die. Whatever. Yeah. And then season two started where basically <laughs> like it's always been this kind of subject of uh, controversy and will it be successful? That kind of thing. So um, we're going to talk, start talking about this episode. So uh-huh. for our pilot, since there is not, there was not an episode this week because yeah. it hasn't started yet. <laughs> premieres next week. And we'll talk about that towards the end. We decided to, Pick one from last season. As we were looking at the kind of landscape of the episodes, we thought, oh, it'd be good to, to compare season premieres, because season premieres are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But that was, I think, was Woody Harrelson was the beginning of, of season 45, yeah. which I am, sidebar, very disappointed we didn't get like the big season 45 whatever they were planning, because that clearly didn't happen, because yeah. they had to cut the season short. But So we were thinking about that, and then you and I were both uh, John Mulaney fans. So we figured yeah. a lot of, uh, an interesting episode to talk about would be the John Mulaney episode. So that's what we're going to talk about. This episode was originally aired on February 29th of 2020. The host was John Mulaney, former, uh, not head writer, but former writer. But former writer, yeah. And, uh, John, uh, and then David Byrne performing with his American Utopia group, which we'll talk about when we get to the musical guest. So what are your, where are you at with John Mulaney? What do you think about him? I love John Mulaney. Why do you love John Mulaney so much? I I loved actually my favorite thing about John Mulaney is uh, uh, I fell in love with Oh Hello, his little special with oh, Nick yeah. Kroll. I love those characters, and uh, <laughs> I'm actually kind of sad that that he never brings those characters onto SNL. I mean, yeah. they, they don't need to, but it'd be fun to watch those characters in an SNL sketch playing with other people like. I think Kyle Mooney would be funny to like see interacting with him or yeah. something like that. But I love him for that. And then his stand up obviously is is just so good. He's one of the best stand ups I think working today. Um, at least for my generation. I think he'll be like one of the greats. I agree. I think with the, I like a proper and we'll 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 get to the monologue, but I like a proper stand up hosting mm-hmm. or at least when they can do a stand up monologue. Yeah. And yeah, I didn't know it, I kind of missed the Mulaney era, I think. Uh, like obviously I was watching the show when he was when he was writing cuz that was when uh Stefan was a thing and I I'm an, right. I love Hater and I love Stefan. But I think that what's interesting about like he left the show, he got his he got his Mulaney show. Right. That just completely failed. Just, and then he but he recorded these great Stand-up specials that I think through Netflix has gained a lot of traction. Yeah. And then with, and I th- we'll talk a little bit about his more recent work as we talk about this episode. But yeah, I, I, I think I was late to the party with Mulaney, but I love him. Yeah. Yeah, you actually remind me a lot of Mulaney. <laughs> oh, that, that, is, that is high praise. <laughs> yeah. I remember listening, so I used to listen to Pandora uh, in my car all the time, and I'd just have it on stand-up, and his... One of his first stand-ups was like one of my favorite. It was right before New Kid in Town or uh, that special. Yeah. But he had a, another one right before that where he talks about his high school basketball team and these parties where he blacks out. And and I thought he was so funny. And I think that was like back in like 2009, 2010. Yeah, he's been around for a lot longer before. than I appreciate. And he is so good. And yeah. So let's... Uh, so the cold open for this episode is a political sketch. And so there's a lot. Uh, I'm just going to run down who shows up in this sketch. Because yeah, yeah. I, it it, I forgot because I was watching all the, the primary stuff when these episodes are uh, coming out live. And I kind of forgot the stable that they put together. So outside of our regular cast, we get Larry David shows up as Bernie Sanders. Of course. We get 
Uh, Colin Jost showing up as Buttigieg, <laughs> which normally in sketches they try to make him look shorter. They did not do that for, for this sketch. Rachel Dratch as uh, Amy Klobuchar. And then we get uh, John Mulaney showing up as uh, Sudeikis. One of my... Uh, <laughs> shows up as Sudeikis. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Shows, uh, up. <laughs> shows up as Biden. Right. I stepped on my own observation. So so Mulaney shows up as Biden and then makes a joke about how uh, he said the surgery is starting to settle. Uh-huh. Which uh, is re- reference to throughout last season, Harrelson was Biden. And then they had Jason Sudeikis as Biden, and right. then they had uh, now. Then in this episode, uh, Mulaney as Biden. So they pull out. Oh, and Armisen as Bloomberg. So they get right. Armisen as Bloomberg and Rachel Dratch and um, uh, Larry David as Bernie Sanders. As a sketch, what I thought was amazing, and you can you can tell me what you think about this. Watching this in the end of September in the year of our Lord twenty twenty, <laughs> compared to watching this in February, we were all yeah. so young then. <laughs> so watching this in in the end of September, and them kind of dunking on Pence because he's gonna be he's in charge, even though he doesn't really understand science. Right. Uh, make kind of a a lazy. Pence is secretly gay joke. Uh, of course. With, when they were talking to him about Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Uh, so make a little gay joke. Make a little, uh, oh, they're so unprepared. Here's all the, the candidates showing off and whatever. Just seven, and that was seven months ago. Yeah. It seems like it's so much longer. So much longer. Like, we didn't know anything back then. And we still thought, like, you know, obviously, live performances got away. So it's interesting going, oh, yeah, the primaries were happening. Oh, yeah, Ray yeah. Bl- <laughs> Amy Klobuchar was running for president yeah. at the time. <laughs> and and then uh, we'll talk a little bit, a, bit, a bit more when we get to update. But I don't know. How do you feel about the bunch of celebrity impressions as a as a cold opener? When it's done right, it's good. It's really good. And this one was... I liked all the cameos and the timing and the pacing of the sketch, I think, worked to where it was kind of building each time. I really enjoyed uh, Kate McKinnon God, I love uh, her. messing with Fred Armisen a little yes. bit. Yes, yeah, sticking her finger up his nose. Yeah, 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 yeah. You always like seeing that. And Fred Armisen just giving a straight face is just so great. I don't know how he does that. Yeah, it was it was good. It's it, uh, cold opens, especially like political ones where there's a bunch of people yes. sometimes feel like they go for too long. And this one was like, just, it was almost, it was too long, but it wasn't like timed out perfectly. It was like just a little bit, just a little bit too long. I thought, do you feel like SNL has an end of sketch problem? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think every sketch show has an end of sketch. I mean, you watch any like key and peel, Mm-hmm. And like all their sketches, you're like, ah, okay, <laughs> right? And actually, I made some made some notes that we're going to talk about. But yeah, I, I feel like the cold open they get away with. They just need to get to live from New York on Saturday night. Yeah. So they they found a way of doing that. But I, I there was some moment in that where like they were trying to get Larry David into frame, and he just like took too long. So yeah. there was like some some pauses in there, and SNL gets in this uh, mood where this is what happened this week. This is what we're going to do. We're just mm-hmm. going to do that, right? We're just going to ha- Pence at a press conference. We're going to have pre- Pence do a Pence conference. Yeah. Trump made a speech. We're going to have Trump do a speech. I really like when they do the kind of sideways political stuff where like when they did, they did a couple of years ago, they did like a fragrance style ad, but it was about like the Trumps where. Oh yeah. I remember that one. Uh, so that kind of thing where. We are making a point politically, but it is not in the form of a f- political thing. I, right. I prefer, but I think that this, I think they probably had an idea that they're going to have to wind down the show in a couple of weeks because there's this one, there's Scarlett Johansson, and then the break, and then they start doing the the virtual episode. So I yeah. think they this was, as they were building towards that, they're like, well, we have all these celebrities helping us out. We'll just do a bunch of these. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that, I think the pacing, like the pacing, was good. I think it, it could have been a little longer, more conservative. I think than they could have been, which was mm. nice. But it, I feel like the it's the first sketch. I'm just so. Ex- I think the problem is I'm so excited when I see that the episode has started. I'm just like ready to go. Yeah. And when it's like, oh, it's Beck doing his Pence. Yeah. 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 That's not like a real uppity character to like start like an right. opener. Like Mulaney was a nice surprise. Whenever you get somebody in a sketch that you didn't expect, yeah. that's fun. So, uh, what did you think of his uh, monologue? His uh, monologue is just—it's classic Mulaney stand-up. Yes, 
It's brilliant. I loved. Uh, well, I love the Bill of Rights thing yes, where he's talking about the order <laughs> and like how, yeah, like that's a huge problem, how we have to kick soldiers out of our homes. All of them want to come in and live with us. And <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, you can have the uh, number one free speech. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, second one, you can have all the guns you want. <laughs> I feel like you're going through your own thing. Uh, I really, it's so funny. You were talking about TikTok that uh, Mulaney's got a disproportionate kind of presence on TikTok for people that like lip sync John Mulaney bits. Yeah. Uh, so that's one that I've heard a bunch since then. And I forgot that it was from this episode. I thought it was from one of his stand-up specials, but I forgot that it was from this episode yeah. of SNL. Where, and I think it's a, a his it was very, I like how clean it was. It was just like, uh, I really liked his comparison to Louis Farrakhan. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean a lot to a very specific group of people. Um, but yeah, just like whenever somebody walks out with a mic in their hand, I feel a lot better about things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I I know that this is going to be uh, con- controversial, but I <laughs> I love I love uh, some of my best stand-ups, favorite stand-ups is Louis CK on on SNL when he does yes. his monologues on SNL. I'm like those they're freaking brilliant. Wouldn't it have been nice if he wasn't a sexual deviant? I know, right? And a predator. It, it would have been sucks. great. It sucks when your favorite comedian does horrible things and then you're like oh man i can't see you anymore seriously uh i have all these bill cosby bits <laughs> memorized that i just can't use anymore I'm nobody a- nobody cares about the the, the breathing cosby's from himself because yeah. he's a rapist <laughs> so no i thought it was really good i like i like the pacing i love the lin-manuel miranda oh, yeah. stuff when he did the lin-manuel it, <laughs> it sounded so much like the oh hello the yeah <laughs> oh yeah with the, like the weird emphasis yeah yeah the weird uh, emphasis <laughs> yeah he I, I thought it was really good. This is what I, I want you to do for, for next week. Watch the bass player and the tenor sax player. I always watch okay, the tenor good. sax player. I never watch the bass player, though. I oh, the uh, bass player, um, he's on stage, right, camera left, so just kind of over, over to the side. Just... So normally he's just got he's just fun to watch him laugh or whatever. But there was a, this I, this is the first time when I really remembered him like looking over it. You know when you're like you're really enjoying some comedy and you need yeah. to like to make eye contact with somebody to be like, isn't this so great? Now, yeah. I forget what bit it was, but he just kind of looks over to the tenor sax player and like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> they're just really digging it. The, the the part where he talks about Julius Caesar and bringing back stabbing the <laughs> the leader yes. of the country, <laughs> I thought that was brilliant because it was such like that's obviously about Trump, but he yeah. didn't say it, and I like that. Yeah, I uh, I asked my lawyer if I could say this, and he asked another lawyer, and he yeah. said I could. <laughs> so, uh, so what are some? So, I think he great great monologue because he's a stand up and he did a good job. Yeah. Uh, what are some kind of sketches throughout the night that kind of piqued your interest that you that you liked? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a, a few of them where you can tell that they had like a really good premise. Yeah. And you're like, that's awesome, and then it kind of teeters off my favorite one though my favorite one that i thought was awesome was the the 80 brian and kate mckinnon old timey one. Oh my god yes with <laughs> with john mulaney playing the sailor boy and uh <laughs> beck playing another closeted gay i guess <laughs> uh that one was so funny just the this just the game of the scene of them trying to kill each other and then it just gets outrageous. Yeah, the so this is a recurring sketch. They did they didn't call it this uh, last time, but they had a very similar premise on the J Lo episode. Yeah, where they were trying to woo Beck's military whomever, and uh, J Lo was uh, too hot. Yeah, and then uh, this one they replaced J Lo with John Mulaney, which <laughs> you know, just just math. And I th- I want like I. I'm not sure if I want them to spin off and go have a TV show together, but I just want Kate and AD to just make comedy for the rest yeah. of time because they are so good together. They have such great energy. And that weird, dead-eyed, kind of old-timey thing that both of them do works so well in a, like a bunch of contexts. Yeah. But this one, it's, it was it's I really perfect. do like it. And just like the goofiness of the the props that they're futzing with or whatever is very cool. I just love I love how they jump. So, like, at the beginning, it's like, sign this, your birthday card, and it's, oh, this is a suicide note, you know? Yeah. But then it it quickly turns, like, tie on this scarf, and it's a boa constrictor. It's, like, so obvious. I think they break on that one, too. I think that, 
I don't like people breaking in general, but I give both of them a pass. And it's it's my Bill Hader pass. Yeah. Where it's like the the material's so good, it is not your fault. Yeah. Uh, and I the, the thing that I, you talked about the suicide note that eighties doing this like weird emphasis thing where she's like, oh, this is this is not a Christmas card. This is a suicide note. Yeah. But she's like hitting yeah. like the weird <laughs> syllable. She did that a couple of times. Yeah. During that, uh, <laughs> I wrote down a couple of quotes. Um, that Mulaney's character apparently gets promoted to pass around party bottom. Yeah. <laughs> that he is not a whatever ranked sailor. That apparently in the Navy, that is a, that is a rank. He's, yeah. he's a pass around party bottom. Yeah, and it's something that you want, I guess. Uh, so the we, we talked a little bit about uh, Sketch is having an end of Sketch problem. This one, I think, probably has the best button of the night yeah. where it's, uh, who will he choose? I choose the twink. Yeah. <laughs> the end. The That's end. all you need. Yeah. Uh, I really, I really liked that one. So you were talking about, you were talking about sketches that struggle with the good idea, but maybe middling execution. And mm-hmm. so I wrote down for the Uncle Ron meme sketch. Uh-huh. So this is the one where uh, John is the um, Mulaney's the uncle, and then there's a family there, and it's um, Chloe Fineman and her boyfriend's Chris Red, and then on one couch, and then on the other couch is uh, Pete Davidson and his parents played by A.D. and Beck. Yeah. And so the idea in this sketch is that Pete uh, <laughs> at college took this weird photo of his uncle and then made a bunch of memes about it. And as I was watching it, I'm like, this is a correspondence sketch. Like, this is an update... Um, somebody says, oh, I'm really upset about these memes that have been made of me. And, you know, Joe Che is like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then they throw up a bunch of jokes. Like, that is where this premise, I think, belongs. Should have gone, yeah. But uh, with the execution of Mulaney just, like, responding to images next to him, which is, like, funny. But then because it's a sketch, you have to service six other characters in the room. Right. And that's where I think it lost a little bit of the pacing. And you have Pete Davidson, who does not get a Bill Hader pass for, he's for breaking in sketches. He's, he's the Jimmy Fallon of yes. of this cast and Kate and like breaking wise. Yes. He's always breaking. And some people love it. I hate it. I, I but again like when I'm watching Bill Hader break because Mulaney has thrown something on a card he has never seen before. Yeah. That is exhilarating. And that is fun. And that's where like you can there's instances where you can see somebody breaking because they're reacting to something that is new to everybody in the building. And then that's where you can actually see at times the camera shaking yeah. because the camera operator is laughing like that. I'm into Yeah, Pete not being able to just like get through a sketch just kills me. Yeah. And I think he's really cool. And I love his, de- his correspondence stuff when he's on update, when he just does his like, I'm Pete Davidson. Yeah. And my life's weird. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, but this one, it's like, if I just got to focus on Mulaney, go reading all those memes, I think that works. Yeah. But I have to keep watching AD and Beck reacting and Pete laugh and whatever. And I think that it just like, it doesn't work as well. And that's also where I wrote, uh, couldn't, couldn't find an end to that sketch. Just kind of yeah. like ends without a <laughs> button or a punchline or anything like that. Yeah. The problem. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, when you talk about like the joke of the scene, it's yeah. the memes. There's one joke. And so you do it. Yeah. And you got it done. And now, now what? Yeah, exactly. I think that's the, uh, they had a good idea. They, John's great at selling that stuff. Mulaney's great at selling yeah. those kinds of things and being kind of outraged and doing everything straight. And I think he was perfect for that. There wasn't a real foil, right? There isn't somebody that's egging him on. He's ha- he's driving the whole sketch mm-hmm. where I think that you it, you could just have him sitting next to Michael Che going like asking him questions and setting him up for jokes. Yeah. And that works. Yeah. I think works a lot. Uh, yeah, one of, true. The first sketch after the first sketch after the, the monologue the Sound of Music sketch. What do you think of that? Yeah, that one. I mean, it, it was good. It was uh, I, the play that he just kept getting older. Yes, it, it was very funny. Uh, I, that one kind of had that one had a better ending to the sketch than I think. Like, if I had to rank them, it was the two sisters sketch. Yes, had the best ending or the best overall sketch. Yeah, that one had a had a good button. Mm-hmm. I think with. You know, Kate McKinnon coming out and being like, uh, we don't need to talk about how old I am. <laughs> you right. Know? Well, that's what's funny. It's like, so the only way they could end that sketch, it seems, was to bring in two other characters and then have them sing for two lines and then get out of there. Yeah. But it's the same thing. It's like they couldn't, 
They couldn't figure out what what is the end of this bit? Like, how do we resolve this? We don't. We bring it to other characters yeah. to resolve it, <laughs> and they'll resolve it for us. Right. Uh, I I think Cecily is one of the kind of stealthier cast members. She I think can eight, sing. She can sing. She is the user a lot, and I we she gets highlighted a couple times as a vocalist in this episode, which is pretty cool. Uh-huh. But I think that she like Kate and Eddie get a lot of. Airtime and I and they're great. Obviously, they've had a lot of opportunities out of the show. Mm-hmm. Eighty with her uh, show on Hulu, and then Kate doing movies and stuff. But I think that Cecily hasn't had as much out sh- success out of the show yet. Yeah. But she is so reliable. She is so she good. Is. She's so consistent. She's got a great voice. They can kind of have her do whatever. I think she's great. Yeah, she reminds me. Uh of Rachel Dratch a lot where she's very underrated and it's yeah. like, but she's very reliable and she will get the job done. But then nobody is ever like, that's my favorite one. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, she's no one's favorite sketch. Uh, uh, cast member. She, she probably should be. Yeah, she should be. Yeah. A lot like Rachel Dratch. I think Rachel Dratch is another just classic SNL person who never gets, I think the credit that she deserves. Yeah. I, I like that. She's, ha- I like that they brought her back for Amy Klobuchar. I love that they brought her, for that um, Hyundai Sonata commercial, yeah. the, the, the Boston uh, Super Bowl commercial, it's like of all the Boston celebrities you can get, you get, uh, you know, you get a Chris, yeah. you get a Captain America, and then John. you, and then you get Big Poppy, yeah. and then of course Rachel Dratch, <laughs> which I think is great because she's got a great Boston accent, yeah. and like I am predisposed to liking people from Boston, being from Massachusetts, but I really like that she is getting more in this phase of her life. She had that a great run on. Last week tonight, where she was part of that um, that money church, oh yeah, with with John Oliver, where they yeah. had that recurring bit where like he had his wife, and they were they were doing that. So I think she's, uh, I'm glad that she's getting more recognition at this phase of her career. Where what I think you're seeing is that her colleagues love her. Yeah, people that worked with her on SNL really like her and are finding opportunities for her and bringing her back, which I think yeah. is really shows how good she was because there's other cast members that will never return and haven't found as much success. And I think that that's also kind of telling on them. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like that's how uh, Cecily is. Yes. Very much. She's going to be one. I think she's going to stick around for longer than other cast members would, because this is a good gig for her and she hasn't, she's not going to be transitioning to as many opportunities the way some other cast members have, Mm -hmm. but she is great in this medium. And I feel the same way. Like Kate's done some, some good stuff outside of the, the show, but like, I just don't want, I don't want this cast without her. Yeah. I love her so much. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's jump to uh, the musical guests. Yes. So uh, what, what was your, what's your kind of exposure to the talking heads and David Byrne? Not a lot. Okay. Not at a lot. And uh, when I watched this, I, right before, so my, the guy that I live with, Mike Urema, my roommate, Who? Mike uh, Urema, I think I'm saying that. Yeah, not a lot of people have. He's a lot like uh, Cecily Strong. (laughs) (laughs) And and he, him and his uh, fiance, they went and saw him live. Oh, wow. So like, yeah, so they were were already talking about it. And then, so it was in my head a little bit. And then when I watched this episode, I was like, oh, that was the guy that they went and saw live and they couldn't stop talking about. And, uh, so yeah, I didn't have a lot, a lot of, uh, of exposure to him or his music, but n- now I'm so excited because the American Utopia is coming to, I think HBO. Yeah, soon? It's HBO. yeah. So I, I, now I'm like very invested and I'm like, I want to see more of this guy. Yeah. I, it was so, f- I had recently watched the, uh, documentary now episode where they do a a kind of a play on stop making sense the talking heads documentary from the 80s directed by jonathan demi and so that was kind of like fresh in my mind so i like i I, when i saw him as the musical guest i'm like well mulaney has some relationship to the talking heads because john mulaney obviously being part of documentary now Mm -hmm. and then uh i had recently watched the sack lunch bunch Right. Because I think that was right before this, and David Byrne is in that. It is, and he's like gran- the grandpa character. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. He's awesome. And so I think that he really fits this kind, of, this kind of medium. And so how do you feel about when you see a musical guest and they have done something to the set where they are not in the kind of subway stop set? Yeah. You, most of the times I don't like it. Okay. But this, I, I, I like... 
when people are trying to take risk and they're trying to, you know, trying to show people like, oh, you can do more than just stand here and sing your song. You can kind of do a performance. But what, uh, there's a few that like stand out to me that I didn't really like. Like, I think Sia did something with the set and mm-hmm. I was like, eh, you know, I don't really like this. <laughs> and, uh, I think Bieber did something too. Yes. Back, back then. And so I didn't like those, but I really liked, I like, I loved this, uh, what he did and his whole performance was just incredible. Oh, you're going to help me remember the name of this person. So, uh, bad guy. What's her name? Uh, Billy. I thank Eilish. you. Billy Eilish. So with Billy Eilish, um, in the beginning of the season, she did that cool rotating room oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, And I'm with you. Most of the time, I want, like, I think, I have, like, a lot, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to SNL, and yeah. I like things the way that they are. <laughs> and so I, part of me is that subway set, or whatever the set is, but just, like, use the damn set. Yeah. But what I, I thought Billie Eilish did something interesting with having that rotating room yeah, on, that at the beginning of the one. season. And when I, you know, see the blank stage, you see them all dressed the same, and then with those opening, and I, w- another thing I think is kind of thrilling about an SNL musical performance is that you don't know what they're going to perform. Because sometimes most artists are just going to play a couple of tracks, right? They'll do something, do the big single, maybe a B-side. That's what they're right. doing. Sometimes you get people that do the new song and then something older just for, for yucks. This one, when I heard like the opening kind of chords, I was like, is this Once in a Lifetime? Is he mm-hmm. doing Once in a Lifetime right now? And then seeing that version of that song yeah. with that American Utopia cast and just the amount of movement and talent and just like trying to keep track of everybody. And they were clearly just like having an amazing time was so cool. And then when they came back for the, the second one, I think the n- name of that song is Toe Jam. Yeah. Where not only are they doing this really cool song and just like as a guitar player, watch like having to be a uh, play the guitar while also dancing and like have, connecting with my fellow castmates and whatever yeah. is just seems like like it would headache inducing watching them do that and just seems so natural and then have just the idea of having all these musicians and vocalists have like a, a dance have a featured oh this might solo dance move while I'm also playing this instrument was yeah. amazing yeah I um I after that, I just watched it a bunch of times. So both back in February and then as I was preparing for today. And then since then, I've just been listening to Talking Heads all day. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was awesome. I think, oh, it's cool too was <laughs> like uh, to see them. Uh, I think it was the first the first song that they played where the a couple of them were in the audience. And then they like, yeah. ju- the girl with the cymbals like jumps up and she's then starts playing the cymbals and like this very... Uh, you know, dancing way. But I was thinking that whole time, I was like, I would, it'd be so funny to be in the audience and then the girl in a suit with cymbals sits next to you and you're like, oh, this is for a sketch. And then, no. No. <laughs> it's for the it's for the musical guest. Yeah, the, yeah, I think that towards the end of the song when it kind of got bigger, just more, like, oh, we have more people? Yeah. yeah. There's more cast members from American Utopia going to show up on stage. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think they did a great job it was what's cool is it was kind of like watching Melania as the host that it wasn't I need to figure out how I'm going to be on SNL to perform my music it is I am taking my show mm-hmm. and putting it here yeah uh, which I thought was it, it for something like that is pretty impressive where it's like yeah. oh I'm just gonna I already have this product it's selling out on Broadway I'm gonna walk down the street do my thing here and then I'm so excited now that we get to watch the documentary, The American Utopia Thing, which is directed by Spike Lee. It is? Yes. That's very interesting. Right? So I think that's going to be very cool, uh, watching that on HBO. But I think that I'm, in a way that I wasn't previously, between Sack Lunch Bunch yeah. and that SNL performance, like, oh, yeah, Dave Burns is amazing. Yeah. It's very, it's funny that John Mulaney is so musical, but not at the same time. Yes. Uh, you are providing a great transition to <laughs> sushi, uh, airport sushi. sushi. <laughs> I I love this sketch. The third in the in the trilogy of uh, diner lobster, bodega bathroom, and, then, and now airport sushi. I think uh, bodega bathroom was one. I think is ah man, it's better. I think bodega bathroom is better than the the other one. Diner lobster. Yeah, yeah, the lobster one. But this one was up there. I thought it was so funny. I like Diner Lobster because I have uh, lame is bias. Oh, I yeah. Just, yeah. I really, so <laughs> it was funny watching this and then just like writing down what shows these are all from. Yeah. What, that I think is pretty, just the idea of like 
uh, on this uh, American comedy program, that we're just going to do a bunch of parodies <laughs> of Broadway tunes, yeah. and we're all fine with it. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, but they're going to make fun of an airport that, unless you've been to New York, you I don't think you would get it. Yeah. Like, oh, you wouldn't get the LaGuardia. So I wrote down I wrote down this uh, this line. So I, I watch or I listen to my favorite murder, and one of the hosts is a comedian named Karen Kilgareth, and what she talks she has this line where she talks about that some she was a stand up comedian for a long time, and she writes on baskets. Okay. And so she talked about somebody at some point told her local jokes get local work, and so this to me like is a total it's. All the jokes yeah. are inside baseball. You've flown through LaGuardia, not JFK. Yeah. You've flown, you are from in and around New York, <laughs> and you've flown through this airport, and we're going to make a bunch of very specific LaGuardia airport references yeah. while also using music from Wicked. <laughs> so uh, in this sketch, it's uh, Chris Red and Davidson uh, at a counter that's manned by John Mulaney and... Yeah. The, the the crux of this one, or the, the, the leaping off thing, is Pete Davidson decides he wants to get some airport sushi. Uh, and to most observers, that seems like a bad idea. And then this launches into this musical thing. <laughs> that includes um, Kate McKinnon singing as Little Orphan Annie. Anti, Auntie Annie. Auntie Annie, <laughs> sorry. Thank you. Little Auntie Annie's uh, with pretzels. So, and then... Again, another musical performance by Cecily. So uh-huh. doing what if she's what she singing? Yeah, she sings uh, the Phantom, and yeah. then the they do another one. She too. sings America. Yeah, she sings America or a, version, a parody of America from from West Side Story. And then we, I just started writing down. We get surprise Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> as the guy that apparently goes to the airport in his pajamas. And uh, I actually watched Zodiac last night, so I'm like strong on my Gyllenhaal train at the moment and watching him because he is insane and in sack lunch bunch. His yeah. character is so weird. So clearly there's some kind of connection that that brings him on to, <laughs> to do this sketch and having him uh, do a little bit of wicked, very funny. And then him like going for the Adina Menzel note at the yeah. end, which I thought was amazing. Um, yeah. I, I, I liked this one. I also liked that it, uh, did not have as much of a how do we get out of this problem because then they just bring in David Byrne again. Yeah. With and his, some of his cast members. Yeah, and some of the American <laughs> Utopia people. What I thought was really funny and notable is that uh, he's wearing his gray shirt underneath his costume. <laughs> so he's wearing like the, the gray shirt that he's wearing in uh, when he performs and then like a safety vest and then another uh, no, coveralls and then a safety vest. Yeah. So David Byrne... Happy to do the sketch, not interested in changing his shirt. <laughs> He's got to be on in a couple of minutes. He's not changing. I thought it was funny. Other members of his cast Changed. did not. Uh, oh. The other thing I noticed, and this is going to be a product of me watching these shows so carefully now, I guess, that Davidson, I swear to God, is wearing the same pants. He did, because you said that to me, and then I had to, I had to go back, and I looked it up. You same pants. He's wearing the same pants. So uh, Pete <laughs> Davidson, uh, who I think is very, very funny, is in one sketch... He's in the second sketch of the night, does not show up again until after update, can't change his pants. He he couldn't. One of the things, I think that's his shtick, is that he's like the guy who doesn't care. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why I think he cracks up every time. Yeah. And so I had to go look up that they had the same pants. I looked it up on YouTube. And uh, one of the comments I saw was someone was like, the only thing this sketch is missing, this airport sushi, is a cut to... uh, Pete Davidson cracking up. And I was like, nope, that's actually the thing that they got right. <laughs> yeah, we probably know he's having a good time. We don't need to see yeah, it. Yeah, we don't need to see it. I think that pretty technical sketch, too, between uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's wire work. Yeah. And I, I noticed there when they first open to LaGuardia, which, which also features LaGuardia being under construction, which just has to be a joke yeah. that you yeah. and I don't understand because we're not flying into New York right now, <laughs> that... Uh, that you can see some of the stagehands too, yeah. which that I also like when they'll do that every once in a while when you're watching the show on television where they'll do, they'll come back, not really to the show where they'll go to commercial, right. show them working a little bit and then they come back later and you'll see the kind of technicians move. And I think that's impressive. They actually did one of those behind the scene things. Right. About the cold open. Yeah. Where they showed how to get from the cold open to the first sketch in that like 90 second turnaround, yeah. which was very cool. And so wouldn't it be great to not see the, the stagehands? Sure. But I, in this thing, I was like, ah, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, let's watch them cool. push some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I was very, I really liked that sketch. I, I like that. I like when a host has a recurring bit. Yeah. And you get the sense that Mulaney must have tried, must have pitched that when he was on the show. It did not work. Yeah. And then with the juice of I am the host, he was able to not only have it be successful the first time with the Les Mis stuff from Diner Lobster. Now, now, that's what you expect. Like if Mulaney's going to be on, yeah. there's got to be another one of these uh, observational comedy musical theater things. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I think I missed from this whole episode, yeah. the, uh, and we got a little bit, and I think you, you mentioned it in there, I missed Alex and, and Mikey Day. They, they were not used hardly at all in this episode. And to just use them as a rat... <laughs> Yeah, and then the other one as a as a one of the airline workers. I was just like, ah, I wanted more. Yeah, in, in my notes, I wrote for uh, airport sushi. First sight of Moffat. Yeah, that I because uh, both. So and I think that Moffat and Mikey Day got a lot of work last season, being uh, the the Trump sons, and I, yeah. I predict that they will be doing that at least for the next few weeks. Of course, and, and into the new year. But I think that yeah, it's they they have some great recurring characters on update. They have the Trump brothers, but yeah, it was surprising. It's surprising what like they you don't see as many of the cast members, or it's like where did where have you been all night? And I think that's yeah. also a product of bringing on a bunch of ringers, right? So if they weren't using Mulaney and Armazin and um, Dratch, and Dratch, and well, probably not Dratch. I think Dratch yeah. would probably not replace by Moffat or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or or, 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 um, <laughs> or uh, but I think that when you bring on all these former cast members and celebrities to cover roles, then you're you're giving less work to the regulars. Yeah, because I didn't. See, I don't think I saw Ego Wodum until the very end in that uh, last sketch of the night. Yeah. So let's talk about the talk about update. So it was a relatively short one. Only one. Uh, only one desk segment or co- correspondent piece the one yeah. with Chris Red talking about Black History Month. Right. So wh- wh- how do you feel about update? Uh, I kind of, well, this update, I liked that Michael Che kind of took on a character and like he did yeah. like a, a bit like while they're doing bits. Like it was like this overall, like each time they came back to him, there was, he added a hat or yeah. <laughs> he had a drink and I like that. I thought that that was very funny. Um, I really, I, I have a really strong connection to update when I went in, when I was a kid again, watching as now when mm-hmm. I was too young to, I fell in love with Norm Macdonald and I absolutely love him and watching update in the early nineties when it was the OJ trial, which yeah. is just like this cultural event that I was living through as a nine year old. Yeah. That having him do OJ material for like two years, it was so funny. And then he had, <laughs> he had like recurring bits where, um, where he had Norm Macdonald had this thing where he would end a bunch of premises with, or so the Germans would have you believe. Mm-hmm. And then he also had Germans love David Hasselhoff. <laughs> and he just, as a, as a host, it was, he was just by himself and he had all these great runners and he was so funny. Yeah. And in like my heart, no one has lived up to that. I really like Amy Poehler. I liked her time there with Seth. I think that made, Tina, was, yeah. And yeah. And Tina, but I, when they first put, Moff or uh, Jost and Che together, they were rough. Bad. They were really rough. What I what I really do like over the last season or so is Che has really found this voice of mm-hmm. both antagonizing Colin Jost's whiteness, uh-huh. and that I like this bit as well, where he was just like, "Screw it, I'm taking off my clip-on <laughs> tie. I'm going to start drinking whiskey because like yeah. who cares?" I thought yeah. that was a really really good move. They did a bit. Uh, they did the the Mark Twain Award went to. Uh, uh, Dave Chappelle and yeah. they both came out and my favorite was it, they pretty much did that bit but they like reversed it to where uh, Michael Che was talking about he's like oh, it's such an honor to be here with you Dave Chappelle and it's going off about how Dave Chappelle's this amazing uh, black comedian and, and was a nice uh, you know voice for them and then uh, Colin Jost goes and I'm here for Mark Twain <laughs> and it was like the best joke of the night but yeah, they just they do that a lot. They, yeah. they kind of talk about Colin Joe's whiteness, and I love it. Yeah, I, I think that they've really found the rhythm in a way that I, I was not expecting, and I think yeah. that they're really good. I I less into that. Like I like that. It's interesting. So update mm-hmm. kind of gave birth to 
The Daily Show, right? There probably wouldn't be a Daily Show in the format that it's in without the tradition of Weekend Update over the last 46 years. So I think that's cool. What I found that they've done over the last year, I think because they're finding that like the reality of our political happenings is just as funny as whatever joke they're going to make about it, that they've been starting to use actual video clips and responding to them, which really feels like that is the Daily Show's game. Yeah, so, or even it, late night. Or late, late night, night shows, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. That is what Colbert and Myers and those folks get to do. It feels just incongruous with what their goal is. To just be like, you know, going become, having Update become The Daily Show feels the wrong direction, yeah. right? Update has their political jokes and they're kind of topical. I read the headlines on Google News and I decided to write some jokes about it, jokes. And then correspondent pieces. I want them to... Do that, yeah. Less than I, I'm interested in them doing. Here's Trump saying something insane, and let me talk about it. Yeah, I think so. They did that a couple of times at the top, which I think they felt compelled to. But I would rather have two correspondent pieces and not clips, video clips. Yeah. Even though I thought Chris Red's thing was great, I liked his uh, that everybody that talking about who. The people that were dropping out of the primaries, which led to less work for Chris Redd. I thought yeah. it was like a very good move. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was very fun. There's something else that he said that cracked me up. Now I can't think of it. Yeah. Uh, he also, he was doing, he showed that thing. They showed the photo of uh, Diamond and Silk and a bunch of other African-American folks uh, laying hands on the president. And oh, then yeah. he said, uh, look at him looking like he's trying to remember where he put his wallet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that, that must have been what I was thinking. Uh, also, I, I think the last joke of the night uh, from Che, which was a, a very good button to, uh, to update, they were talking about that it was Ash Wednesday was coming up, and it's uh, yeah. the one day a year uh, Catholics get to wear a little bit of blackface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that, that was so funny. I, yeah, I, they're the... Because duo, whenever they do duos on... On Weekend Update, right? So yeah. you had Seth Meyers and and uh, Amy Poehler, right? Yeah. And then you have them too. They they kind of go back and forth on each other, yes. which is uh, which is different, and and that is something that I do enjoy from both of them. But yeah, when when they were first starting out, it was it was tough to watch. <laughs> I think what they were trying to do was so m- most of the those pairs that you're talking about, whether it was. Um, Seth Meyers, Abe Poehler, or uh, Fallon and Tina Fey, and then Tina and Seth, uh-huh. that there was a, they were buddies. They were pals. Like yeah. the, the, jo- the, the vibe was, here's a couple of people having some fun steering this 10 minutes of television. Uh-huh. And I think they tried to do that with Jost and Che, and their, their energies are so different. They don't ping pong off each other as pals the way that you do with other comedy duos. What I think that they found is that them being a little antagonistic of each other is the the thing that runs their kind of yeah. their plan. And I thought that it's been that has been much more successful. Where like the the butt of Che's jokes eventually get to isn't Colin Joe so white. And yeah. I think that that really works. And that's I'm excited to see, especially going through the spring and the summer with yeah. all like the protests across the country. I'm really interested to see the energy that that Che brings to update the next week yeah. where he is, where there's, there's some real stuff that's happened over the yeah. summer and in the country. It's a real reckoning. I'm interested to see how that translates into their dynamic on SNL. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be very interesting. I know. Well, I guess we're going to talk about it, but uh, that Chris Rock will also touch on that yeah. a lot. And I think it's going to be, it, uh, what is it that they, I think I read an article about Lauren Michaels, talking about how excited he is that he goes, comedy can touch on a subject in a way that nobody can, and it can also heal yeah. in a way that nobody can. And I'm very excited for, for next week. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about, uh, next week in a second, but I really, I think that their dynamics are really good, but I'm, I always feel like when there's a short update that I've been a little robbed, I like if 50, if, if update goes for 15 minutes, I'm fine. Yeah. I, I want all the jokes. I want three correspondent pieces. I just want a lot of stuff. Yeah. So this one was a very short yeah. update with just more correspondent piece. That was kind of it. The big other runner was the, the Michael Che is going to start drinking deal. Right. 
And, and uh, now that you said it, yeah, you could have had John Mulaney as the uncle Dude. who's mad at a meme right? as a correspondent. Just yeah. fits. Yeah, he could have just came there over. There you go. Uh, so the, the last thing I guess we'll talk about is the... I, when I was in college, I used to call this part of the show uh, like quarter to midnight land or whatever because uh-huh. it was the, the last sketch of the night, you know, post... This is where they kind of dump their weirdness. This is like yeah. the home of like dog show and yeah. whiskers are we and those kind of sketches. <laughs> um, and I said that because here in Arizona, SNL starts at 1030 and ends a little before midnight in the rest of the world. It ends a little before one o'clock. Yeah. So, but th- this is the segment of the show that we're talking about. So the last sketch, which is typically home to some experimental nonsense. Weird. The, eh. So this was uh, the, it was the uh, haters of history. It was black and white sketch with um, Keenan being a hater towards Jackie Robinson in old timey baseball. What do do you think about that? That's, that's one of them where it was a good premise on paper. I could see. And then, then you're like, but where do we go with it? You know, like he, and they tried to do that thing where they cut away to like the, lady who was talking about it like the yeah they had ego Wodum as the host of this fictional fictitious show yeah yeah yeah. almost yeah and that the beats were just off yeah and i knew that they were like trying it and i was like i want it to be funny when whenever you say like he did not in fact play baseball you know but right it just it was just off a little bit yeah i i think that it sometimes when they do the these kind of framing devices like at the beginning of the show, they had the Turner Classic Movies framing mm-hmm. device for the Sound of Music thing. They were doing this great haters of history, which they kind of introduced what the name of the show was a little into the sketch, whether mm-hmm. that was clever to identify what they were examining. But yeah, I, having Ego basically uh, kind of mugging, going like, how weird this guy is, that mm-hmm. I don't think is as effective as just having that kind of conversation within the sketch. Yeah. And uh, having, you know, the button of this sketch is... They're all decide. Oh yeah, well I hate on David or uh, David Robinson. Jackie. Hello, <laughs> uh, great center for the Spurs. Yeah, um, having having people hate on Jackie Robinson. Yeah, baseball player. <laughs> having the, the, we're all going to gang up on him, and then uh, I think it was Alex Moffat's character or somebody says or Beck Bennett's character. Yeah, Beck. Yeah, decides to go to oh, yeah, talk about <laughs> black people, and then that's a problem. So. Not a good button, yeah. No. Uh, I think, like, overall, I like, I'll watch any episode with John Mulaney. I think there's some real highlights. I like that he has the, you can tell that when somebody like him, who is a writer, is hosting SNL, he's got some stuff to bring to the episode. You can really tell that. That's why, uh, so I think that there's some strong premises, but to your point, some of the sketches didn't kind of get where they were going. But, uh, so let's let's transition to uh, our awards. These will not have these names in the future. <laughs> but we're going to talk a little bit about... So at, at the end of each episode of our show, we want to talk about who we think, uh, who we want to highlight from this episode. And so we'll kind of talk about the, the categories as we go. So the first one is... So best sketch. What was, your, what was the best sketch of the night for you? Best sketch, uh, it was the, the sisters one. Yeah, the, I agree. Yeah. The, uh, what was the name of that one? Uh, th- these two don't like each other. Or say something. those two. Don't, yeah. Say those two don't seem to like each other. I agree with you. I think that the you know you could see the money on stage during uh, airport sushi, mm-hmm. but I think as a premise, execution, kind of characters, I, ending, I totally agree yeah. with you. Yeah, and the ending. Let's just, the twink. <laughs> Our next kind of award is who's your most ready for primetime player? Who's your favorite cast member from tonight? I want to say it's John Mulaney. Yeah, he doesn't count. But he doesn't count. No. So I think, I mean, the best one, it's a tough, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. Okay, well, I'll... There wasn't a lot of people who were, like, featured where I was like, yes, you know? But but, but, but what would you say? Well, so I think what I was going to say is uh, Cecily, because I think she was consistent throughout the night. Yeah. Uh, I think... For me, for this episode, it's kind of a cage match between Cecily and Kate because Kate gets featured as Elizabeth Warren messing with Fred, and then she's in the say that those two don't like each other or uh-huh. seem to like each other very much. And then in Airport Sushi, so she was pretty consistent. And I don't think there's really going to be an episode until she leaves that she's not heavily featured. Yeah. But I think in terms of 
having to carry a sketch pretty strongly in that first thing with Mulaney, where she's the straight man with him. Right. And then uh, that kind of vocal feature in Airport Sushi. So she's mine. You can yeah. you can say whatever you want. We do not have to come to consensus. I, 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 I will say Cecily, too. I, I think that, yeah, overall, she carried a lot of the, the sketches. And every time that she sings, no yeah. matter what it is, I'm always like, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I forgot that she could sing. So uh, last thing is, I'm calling this, are you buying tickets to this? This is like our stock up, stock down. So there's sometimes when people come on the show and they, for me, this is like Brian's opinion, they, uh, I am less interested. I remember, and this comes from, I remember watching when One Direction was on the show for the first time and uh, making their kind of debut in the States on SNL. Uh-huh. And... You can, if you can watch their musical performance, go ahead. What I remember is that, like, during their musical number, where they are on SNL, which is a very important thing to me, you can see them on stage just like screwing around and like making jokes to each other and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't care who these idiots are. They do not belong on this stage. They are not taking it seriously. <laughs> and I was like, I like my stock. I am, I am out on One Direction because of their appearance on SNL. Uh, maybe I'm not sure if I would have been much better had I seen them in another context, but that was my, yeah. so my idea. So I think for, at least for me and it's like for you too, it seems that like SNL can really kind of elevate somebody in terms of your estimation as a performer. Yeah. So based on, and so this is where we'll talk about kind of the strength of the host and the musical guest. So, uh, are you, are you buying tickets to the John Mulaney show? Hundred percent, yes, for sure. Yeah, me too. Hundred percent. This is yeah. an easy episode. Yeah, uh, and then same thing with uh, David Byrne. Hundred and twenty percent. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. more so because you didn't really know much about it. I before. don't. Yeah. So now I and now I'm like oh, I'm gonna watch American Utopia. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy all the things you with his face on it. Bought tickets for the cross country trip on the David Byrne train. Uh huh. Is what you're saying? Yep. Perfect. So the last thing we're gonna talk. So those are awards. Last thing we're gonna talk about is looking forward. So mm-hmm. next week. We have Chris Rock and Megan the Stallion. Chris Rock is really an interesting entity for me because he was a cast member, mm-hmm. an unsuccessful one at that. Like yeah. he was barely on the show. He had um, he had his Nat X right. uh, kind of late night show and a couple of ancillary characters, and that's it. But since then, like one of the one of my favorite stand ups, certainly during the kind of mid nineties OJ period. Uh, and, uh, I committed, uh, bring the pain to memory. Like he's very important for a standup for me. And so how do you, what are you looking forward to with Chris Rock next week? His monologue first off. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's going to be exciting and I think it's going to be hilarious. Uh, I, I'm, I want like a, cause he does all those grown up movies. So I'm hoping that maybe we get more, cameos from oh, okay. older uh, SNL people. You think he drags out uh, Sandler for some reason Maybe. or David Spade? I could see it, especially since they've all been quarantined and they're like itching to <laughs> to get out. Maybe that's like a great appearance or something. But I like that. I, Based on the world that we've been living in for the last seven months, I would be very surprised if Nat X doesn't show up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like, Chris Rock doesn't have a ton of recurring characters. Uh, I also believe... Believes a strong word. I also predict that he's going to do something with Fallon. Mm. So if I'm not sure if you remember about three, four weeks ago, there was some, when there was this big reckoning about blackface on, on, on television. And he did Chris Rock. Yeah. Fallon used to do a Chris Rock impression. He had this bit on one of his comedy albums called Chris Rock was my RA. And he's got this great bit about how he kind of describes his, um, RA as being acting like Chris Rock. So he kind of, does a Chris Rock impression talking about his RA. And then he would do Chris Rock on SNL in full blackface. Yeah. And in the last week or so, because Chris Rock is promoting the fourth season of Fargo, he kind of said that the intent is important. So he, as Chris Rock, the person doesn't think that Jimmy Fallon was meaning any harm through blackface. He was, he can see that Fallon was doing an impression of him Right. who happens to be black. And he yeah. also said, uh, it sounds ridiculous that I have to say that I'm against blackface. Like, yeah. Obviously, he's against blackface. He doesn't blame Fallon. I think, because Fallon's down the street, potentially, yeah. that uh, 
I wouldn't, I don't, it would not surprise me if Fallon shows up somewhere yeah. so they can do something. Yeah. Even just as like a little joke or a. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that like, I don't think that Fallon's going to come out and they self-flagellate or anything and, you know, say that he was done tons of wrong, but I can see them just addressing it yeah. kind of quickly. What would you do if he showed up in blackface? Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to think about that. It was just a, <laughs> just a terrible choice. Um, but yeah, so I think I, I think that's my kind of... Yeah. It's likely... I'm not putting any money on it, but I think it could happen. And then uh, musical guest, Megan Thee Stallion. I don't know much about her either. Neither do I. Uh, she is somebody that has a lot of TikTok songs. A lot of songs yeah. that like, have a lot yeah. of play on TikTok. That is the extent of my Megan Thee Stallion experience. I know, I know I've heard her music. I couldn't name one song right now. Correct. But I know that I know them. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, this is a couple of white guys talking about music, everybody. <laughs> so that's it. That is our pilot. That's fine. So, Randall, did you have a good time? I had a great time. I can't wait to do this on a new episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So uh, the plan is, is every week we'll watch the show. We'll record on Sunday. Get it out to you at the beginning of the week. Please go ahead and subscribe we are available on Anchor FM as well as a bunch of other channels. You'll be able to see those on our website. You can email us at snrewindpod at gmail.com. So snrewindpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at snrewind, I think. <laughs> I just had up our Twitter an hour ago. So uh, you can follow us on Twitter there. You can also find me at Mr. B Paradise. Where can we find you, Randall? You can find me on... Uh instagram on tiktok at fresh cut randall all right so we will also have those links in our twitter bio for the show we are so thankful to have you on our snl journey we'll be doing this throughout the season and we'll see you next time so stick around we'll be right back